0: Park is a little building which nobody will recognize as a magnificent distillery. That
1: was the idea.
0: And hide
1: in plain sight.
0: Let me introduce you.
1: Cool.
0: Sorry. And inside there's a magnificent distillery run by a very, what would you call yourself? Um, Fabulous. Fabulous. (laughs) <laughs> A fabulous lady. <laughs> um, today I'm visiting Jacqueline at Angel Heart Beverages. Yes. And uh, thanks for taking the time to talk we to us. We love
1: having you here, Holger. <laughs> you take over the whole building, I
0: love it. Yeah, so we've got big plans for today. But let's talk about the beginning. Okay. Before you, I mean, how did this mad idea start?
1: It, it started in our courtyard in 2010, um, we were at that stage living in a small complex in, in London. Of, no, no, we were back in South Africa, the in Sandhurst. Yeah. I always think people think, "Oh, it's very fancy." It was a tiny complex, and we were surrounded by old people, so it was like living in the old age home. It was wonderful. Um, my partner Yaku um, have always been distilling Even as a, as a student, um, it was his his pet like pop project all the time. And he managed to secure a beautiful old copper geyser. I thought you were
0: going to say a beautiful old copper still.
1: Oh, if only. A
0: geyser. Back okay. then we not quite half. afford
1: that big still <laughs> yet. So he built a still for home, just playing around, out of an old geezer. I actually have a photo of, it's quite funny, my daughter sitting on, on the paving playing with some toy, and Yaku in the background building this geezer, busy um, with the soldering work. And it's funny, I only found it many years later, and at the time I didn't think this is where we would end. Um, I was uh, pregnant at the time with our second one, you know, barefoot and naked in the kitchen, as you should be. Mm-hmm.
0: And I didn't say, yeah.
1: <laughs> And he is... Jaco uh, is an exceptionally good Mampur maker. Now, Is
0: Manpour, it in his blood? Has it been no, him?
1: Weirdly enough, no one in his family has ever done this. He wanted to study chemical engineering, purely to make bombs and booze. How funny is that?
0: And you made him study finance? No, just no, I
1: didn't know him. I only met Jaco uh, in his thirties. Uh, okay. um, so he was quite uh, advanced by then. He uh, did the first week of chemical engineering and decided the maths might not be his forte because of the engineering maths. (laughs) And he switched over to uh, become a CA. Uh Still maths, but slightly, I think, less complicated. But on his very first week... Money maths. Yeah, money maths. So on his very first week, he did a visit to an... You see, now I have to get this right. I think it was an ESCOM plant close to Botchevsturm. And he saw the columns that they use and that to him just thought "Hmm, this could make brilliant booze I mean it's funny, he really has quite a bizarre outlook on life um, so I think that stayed with him all the years and Jakub built this kettle and he made an exceptionally good mango mampur uh-huh. uh, mampur has got quite a, a rap in South Africa but I'm very much of the opinion someone that can work with fruit, ferment it, and distill it and get a very clear, pure liquid that actually tastes and smells of the original fruit, they can distill. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's very easy to buy a flavour and mix it with an alcohol and ta I mean, we spoke about this yesterday. That was how it was made so I many years and a lot of people made a lot of money like that. But for Yakka, it was about the art form, turning this mush into, into this gorgeous, clear liquid
0: he's got other ways of making money he doesn't have to make no, no. money from he, this was a fruit. hobby mm-hmm.
1: the funny thing is he doesn't drink
0: oh.
1: Yaku um, is just one of those strange people he doesn't drink uh, caffeine and he doesn't drink alcohol but it also means that his palate is exceptionally clean so he tastes everything I make and distill and he can give me very very good feedback because he can pick up things that we can't because of the amount of caffeine we drink or which, whatever it is This then went into, I kind of just kept an eye on what he's doing. I mean, he always had hobbies. Um, I started making these old-fashioned jam jars filled with flavors, infusions. Mm -hmm. Um, I can remember so well. I remade an orange and honey. I made a nachi one. Back then already, I started with this.
0: Infused with alcohol or just infused? With alcohol
1: that he made. Okay. So I would use that as a base and I would just infuse it just to have fun. Mm -hmm. Um, It it was a hobby. Uh, We gave most of it away to friends and family. I think they loved us.
0: So you must have had lots of friends and family.
1: Yeah, just for a short while. (laughs) (laughs) So that is very much where this started. This developed into us one day making angel hot which is where the name of the company Mm -hmm. comes from. Um, I have an absolute obsession with chili. I mean, it's not just a love or a like. It's very much an obsession. To me, a meal isn't complete without chili. I would sometimes have chili on my scrambled eggs. That's how much I love chili. And I wanted to understand um, how to actually do this chili extraction into an alcohol without it having that... Yeah. There's no other word for it. Because a lot of the products on the market, they take a chili, they drop it into the alcohol, and they leave it. Yes, it burns. But it's not pleasant to drink. It's quite vulgar. So that was a, once again, it was just figuring out how to work with this material, this plant material. I worked with everything I could find. Uh, every single herb in our garden, fruits. Uh, my mother has a um, farm in... Bella Bella, and her neighbor is a very old man and he has multiple weird fruit trees. You know those that they planted 50 years ago? Mm-hmm. Literally, no one eats it anymore. Like tree tomatoes, mm-hmm. kumquats, no, no one today. If I say what a kumquat is, people look at me like, no. Yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. um, little oranges, those tiny mangoes. We don't buy them commercially anymore because they're very strictly... too much work. It's too much work, but... The flavour of things mm-hmm. are brilliant. So she used to bring us just like a box.
0: Was it in a rhubarb?
1: No. But oh. I have planted rhubarb at home. Okay. It is a it is something we will go into, but real rhubarb, not this other purple nonsense that everybody's now adding in this form of a bottle. Um, that's kind of where all of this craziness started. Um, and it, I call it craziness because I mean this is a crazy industry to be in. At that stage, I was still a jewellery designer. Um, I did fine jewellery design. So I worked with diamonds and gemstones and platinum and gold. Um, I continued with that while starting to play around with the idea of putting this look here on the market. But I also realised I cannot do that if I don't have proper knowledge of food technology and the alcohol, how to make alcohol. So I... Um, got hold of a consultant by the name of Morris Schachmann. He's a retired food technologist now, but he was, he was exceptional in his day. Um, he is an emulsion specialist. and Because Angel Heart actually has citrus oils as part of the product, to get it stable was a challenge. Because alcohol and oil doesn't like each other. It always makes that white creaminess on top and I wanted to solve this and he trained me at home for just over a year. I was proper a proper skivvy, skivvy he was not a nice teacher he was incredibly strict but in the process he taught me to write recipes, to weigh properly, everything is now converted to grams, micrograms, kilograms, we don't ever work in liters in this distillery um, and that was just you know it's it's like with jewellery design, if you have a really, really good sense of what you're designing, the, the technicality of it, um, we translated that into what we're doing with alcohol. I don't make booze. For me, this is incredibly, um, it's a science. I love the process of taking one and turning it into another, the alchemical process. Um, that's the, that was the hook for me into becoming a distiller. Um, I have a, We had a one litre flask glass still at home mm-hmm. and that is how I learned.
0: And Did you need a distillery to, to make Angel Art?
1: We didn't need a distillery, no. we simply needed a mixing factory yeah, yeah. because that's a liqueur. A, a mm. liqueur simply a blend. So we did start the process of seeing how, how, how do you do this in terms of licensing. So we started actually up with VMS, just purely to buy alcohol in blend it and sell it. Um, but that very, very quickly turned into, well, to make other products, we actually need the manufacturing license.
0: What um, is a VMS? A VMS is,
1: is your bonded warehouse. Okay. So that's where you blend. Mm-hmm. Um, then we applied for a VMP, which is your actual distilling or your manufacturing mm-hmm. plant. Um, getting... An alcohol license, a VMP and a VMS, took 28 months. Mm. And in that time, uh, everything stood still. We were paying off the building. This used to be a wine merchant, Mm -hmm. this specific building. It's built slightly different, um, and everything about it worked.
0: And you couldn't buy the license from them.
1: Um, they didn't. They only had a distribution,
0: distribution license. Distribution license, yeah.
1: But when we bought it, the building was used purely for um, storage. So we had tenants in the building and we had to wait six months for the, the that to run out, the contract, and then we could start the process. At the same time, the uh, legislation was changing. And we had to build an alcohol storage room with very specific um, specifications according to the fire department. So all of that was changing. So it was, I think, the biggest test was getting through, getting a liquor license, getting the um, fire department to approve, getting your health certificate, getting through all those little hoops. To get into this industry is no joke. Uh, You need grit, especially if you're starting new. Buying into something is a very different story. You just need cash. If you're doing this the way we started it, and I think a, a lot of the older distilleries um, very much did it the way we did it, um, our egos will never get out of control. We simply crawled through gravel for too long. Um, we had too many war scars. It, it will simply not happen. Um, you'll see all of the older distillers still get behind a bar. It's a privilege to pour for a client. Your newer guys into the industry that literally build a brand, very rarely will you find them there. Uh, because I don't think there's the same appreciation for the art. Because this is an is a industry of pure love. You do not do this because you're going to make a fortune. Mm-hmm. You do it because you absolutely love the process. But to get back to the gyms, um So from the liquea, it went over to learning how to make gin. Um, Yaku travels to Europe a lot It's part of his job And on one of the occasions He actually joined a gin making class in London And he had the privilege Of getting the guys from Sipsmith
0: mm-hmm.
1: to, to join one of his, their classes And also um, a few of the other Very well known distillers Because those distillers believe in sharing info and he is a 20-questions kind of guy, and he managed to get even a recipe from these guys, a very basic gin mm-hmm. recipe. Um, the rest of the gin recipes were very much built on very old books.
0: So he got that your first recipe from, from that class in London? Okay.
1: Okay. But, but
0: did you have a distillery by then?
1: We actually did. (laughs) But making gin, I don't think you can make gin until you actually understand the different components that goes into gin. So what I did to understand the process was I distilled every single thing individually. In my lab, I spent months making it here. Mm -hmm. And then kind of getting a sense of what does this botanical contribute to the overall taste of the gin.
0: Can I can I interrupt you? I've got a question. When we uh, we used to have a, a brand, me and a partner, and one of the products was a gin, and we ordered it from a factory in that side of Joburg, and it probably cost us 25 or 60 rand a bottle. Um, explain the difference, okay? Just simply uh, for so for the lay people. I what? mean, I know it was vodka and probably some essence.
1: Yes, that's exactly. So there's, there's, there's a lot of different, I would say, school of thoughts in terms mm. of gin making. You've got your bathtub, bathtub gin, mm-hmm. which literally they soak the botanicals, they strain it out, they don't distill it, and they bottle it. It's that. Um, bathtub gin, which is the brand, very well known, is exceptionally good at doing this, but they have perfected this. Mm-hmm.
0: My wife also tried it with a gin kit.
1: It's it's yeah, you can do that very much. Mm. It's a way. I don't think you get as a refined gin, mm-hmm. but it's very much up to your palate. All right. Then you get the the guys like you were talking about. There is phenomenal um, labs out there that make a pre distillation. So you take alcohol which you buy at next to nothing. Mm-hmm. You blend the essence, you add water, and you bottle it.
0: Okay, but it's not synthetic it's, then.
1: Okay, it's not okay. distilled, it's a blended gin. It's a compound mm. gin, that's what we call it. Okay. okay. I think there are some on the market that's really good, but I think honesty in terms of manufacturing is very important to your end user. Mm-hmm. So if you want to make a gin like that, say it on the bottom. Say, this is a blended gin. Don't call it distilled. That's the problem. There's no regulation in South Africa. Mm -hmm. So though there's a lot of guys that make it. It's a very inexpensive method to make it. But
0: but can you also just add a flavouring essence or something and and just buy a flavour like you buy a caramel flavour and add it to your vodka and call it a gin, I guess?
1: You see, the legislation is very grey and the uh, Department of Agriculture that is supposed to check that I think they are so overloaded, under,
0: underfunded.
1: underfunded, overloaded, understaffed. So there is unfortunately a lot of grey that exists. Mm. The way we make gin in this distillery is quite an old-fashioned way of making gin. We take a, a, a clean ethanol, we dilute it slightly down because we don't want to work with a very high concentrate. The botanicals don't like that. We then soak the gin botanicals. A botanical is the, is the word we use for all the plant materials that mm-hmm. goes into a gin. Okay, Juniper, coriander, your peppers, your um, angelica roots, your orris roots, um, all your different combinations. Citrus, some like a lot of citrus, some like a little. It's very much up to the gin maker. But we then soak that in the alcohol, like a soup, for 48 hours. Um, it's a beautiful brown sludge. It smells phenomenal by then, but not very appealing to drink. That is then distilled uh, We do a heads cut Exactly like you do with a really good distillation because that first bit that comes off is all the nasties mm. um, And then you've got those little um, The long esters in it. That's that bite on the side of the tongue. We actually want to get rid of that. We only uh, keep the hearts I cut at 65% alcohol already because that's the purest part of the gin, and then you've got your tails. Um, I always say the moment I can, t- I can smell cassia is.
0: What is cassia?
1: Cinnamon. Then the, the, the gin has gone too long. Um, it's got a very distinctive smell. We then keep the, the hearts of the gin that is left to rest for two months. Um I have a lot of little uh, let's call it quirks around what and how I make stuff. But for me Where the did you learn
0: those? Pardon? Where did you learn those quirks?
1: I think it was very much done on, on gut okay. and on, on experience about wow. the amount of gin that I've made. Um if you leave that gin, even if it's for two weeks, it's completely different to the fresh gin. Um well, gin is basically an oil extraction. I mean, that is what it is. We're extracting the oil from um, the, from the yeah, the flavonoids from out of the botanicals. That's what we're doing. Okay. So when you look at it through the microscope, you've got big globules and smaller ones. And that's the little oil droplets, suspended. The perfect time to bottle is when the globules are starting to get similar size and shape. That's how I make gin. Now, every gin maker has their their thing and their theory and their, their belief system. That is how I make gin, OK? Um, and I know if it rests between six weeks and eight weeks, that's absolute at its optimum. To me, then, the flavors have developed.
0: And resting can't be in the bottle?
1: No. Okay. Your bottle shock because you have to add water. So ah, it's rested okay. at the 79% okay. that it's distilled out. Um, So we just, we give it time. It's like wine. It's like whiskey. It's like a good brandy.
0: So it doesn't really sound like you're driven by the market.
1: Yeah, which might be not the best way to run your own business. I'm quite (laughs) aware of that. But I think that's also the type of client you attract. Mm. A client that's loyal, that's got true integrity, Um, we very rarely have situations at events because our clients are solid they don't get drunk to the point where we have problems because that's not my clientele I get these gentle funny drunks that they've had a gin too many and their friends are looking after them I never get that that one, I mean there's always like a group at an event that get faceless um I do not attract those clients I never have um, I'm not driven by how quickly how quickly how quickly for me it's about delivering a very high quality product at a at a reasonable price without cutting corners um, because that's not what I am I very much operate from a place of integrity. Mm -hmm. The same goes for my bitters, um, all four my gins, same type of process. um, And I very much believe in it is ready when it's ready. Simple. If If the product isn't ready to go to market, it's not ready. And I think that's when we make the biggest mistakes. We've all been in the position where we think, oh, it has to get, it has to get, it has to get. And then the moment you release, there's a sense of, damn if only I waited another week Mm. this would be different Um, that also I think comes with experience nothing more so we very much have an approach and it's not just me everybody that works in this distillery has the approach of we do it we do it proper we try and do it right I mean, mistakes slip in, everything's handmade it's fun when it goes wrong but when I pick up a bottle out of a box and I present it to a client or I sell it to a client there is such pride and that's what this distillery is about um, I don't undercut my competitors i don't I just don't do that it's not what what, what we do I don't copy and um, to me copying in this industry is is ridiculous um, Everybody thinks because they bottle it differently, but it's the same look gin, now it's special. And it's not, nothing about it is new and refreshing and um, there's always enough in the universe for everybody, Mm -hmm. but I think people tend to forget that concept. Everybody wants a little bit of the same market it's, very, it's much easier to try and take market share from the big guys than it is to take market share from the other craft guys. I mean, that makes absolutely no sense. All of us are single-owned. All of us have school fees to pay. We're not buying our third holiday home with the money we make here. In actual fact, it would be nice if I start earning a salary after five years. I've got seven people that work for me. None of them had a job before they started here, except um, Lynn. They all arrived at the door. They, they are people that, that were taught to do what they do, and they're really good at it now, and they really like the environment. It's a happy space. Um, so a, the distillery grew organically. There was no force in terms of it has to be there, it has to be there. It's self funded. Um, We have no partners, it's Yaku and I, and Yaku actually stepped back completely about two years ago. Um, He hasn't touched a kettle in a very long time, which I think he misses as well. Um, So the brilliant part is I don't actually have to explain to investors or shareholders Mm. or partners the type of decisions that we make. Um, I'm in an incredibly privileged position in terms of that
0: You are, also because Yaku has got a, a, a good job, I guess Yes So you don't need to rely on, on income from the distillery to pay school fees
1: No, because it is a very very expensive business to yeah, yeah. A, a single kettle is a million rand it, It's not a joke you yeah. know, A million rand You don't know what the return on investment is going to be Everything you take is massive risk a mash tun is 800,000 Rand uh, every fermentation tank you put up is 60,000, 70,000 Rand because you want to buy the best you can afford um, we over invested in the beginning, I think if we had to redo it we would approach it slightly different mm. uh, but hey uh, I don't have 20, 20 vision looking mm. it's very easy to say looking backwards, Oh, I should have, I should have I should have Um
0: so you're not in it for for the building the brands um, obviously there's a lot of brand companies now and I mean if you if you could look back and say look I mean the difference between your sh- your gin on the shelf at Norman Goodfellow's and the other hundred gins I mean you can't see or the consumer can't see the difference they can't, I mean unfortunately. they're all beautiful bottles from urban Glass or whoever imports them and you know the the. I guess it's the same with the wine people. They have have got exactly the, same the same struggle.
1: Issue. So what we try and do with our brands, specifically Jennifer Westcliff and Tincture is we really try and educate our clients face to face. So every single one of the people working for me at events are invested in the business because they believe in the brands, they understand where it came from, they understand the botanicals Mm. we use, they understand the process. They've been with me for a long time and I'm always surprised with how they tell the story. Um, We try and do that with every client. You you usually wait a little bit longer at my bars than at other bars because we, we spend time with clients we tell them. If they ask, what's Jennifer about? We actually tell them that it's this... Jennifer is the personification of of Joburg in kind of a female form because the name Jennifer is very feminine.
0: Um, Where does the name come from? Uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You have told me before.
1: (laughs) So the the concept with Jennifer was... um, I, I always kind of have a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek with everything I do. I, I don't take it too serious, because at the end of the day, we are making alcohol, and it's for pleasure. And I came up with this idea that I wanted to call it Lucifer, because, you know, just to me, getting reaction
0: mm, worked. It's always, and, always about the reaction.
1: Yeah, the reaction, because clients will remember that name. Yeah. And then we were sitting in the car driving to Dahlstrom, and Yaku and I always come up with the best ideas when we're on the road, because there's nowhere else to go, yeah. and we we talk, to talk non-stop. We do, in any case. We have been for 16, 17 years. We've never stopped talking, but that's kind of our like when we throw ideas back and forth. Mm. And he laughed at me because it was just a, a a moment. You know, we were just trying out concepts, and he said. No, no, you can't call that. The South African market is definitely not ready for that. Yeah, we laughed. I said, oh, come on. It could be so much fun. And um, we were talking about, can't we combine the word gin in it? And Jennifer literally just popped up.
0: And can you believe it? Nobody else has used it.
1: And I thought, why <laughs> I had no one ever, but Jennifer with a gin, yeah. G-I-N. And we were sitting in the car, and we both loved it. And now it's Friday afternoon. It's probably 4 o'clock already. I mean, no one works 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. We phoned our trademark lawyer, Norlo, in the car. no, do a search. He tells us no. He's done it for the week. I said, come on, Norlo. Just quickly, just search for us. Because we, we trademark everything we do. And um, he started laughing. He says, okay, I'll let you know next week. And he came back the next week, he said, we won't believe it. This name has actually never been used. He says, I filed it already, by the way. <laughs> and we wanted to make it, once again, the whole idea, the whole time was, you see, we were playing with the name Joburg, mm. because the product is very local, because we go to the Faraday Muti market to buy some of the botanicals, because we don't have fine So how do we access local ingredients? And that is by far the best way. to can't use no, we can, but we're going like, to walk around the highways to pick it. <laughs> and if you're lucky, you can pick some dope as well. Eh? <laughs> I cannot tell you how often I drive on the highway and I see a, you know, a nice little hoblong grain there. And I'm like, mmm, enlightened society. Um, so we, we, we went there to see what we can find that's local, because that's like the best place to go. Everything is gathered for you already. Um, the whole idea was to make this really local gin because Joburg is a melting pot of cultures um, it's quite a spectacular place where people can get past the the nasties, let's call it that I love it when I travel and people tell me oh there's smog, I'm like I have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> um, Johannesburg is such a diverse city It's everything from the south. You've got Joburg CBD and then you've got these little pockets where mostly Nigerians live. And then you've got the you know, it's culturally people tend to flock towards each Mm. other. I mean, I get it. People want to mix it all up. But it's much more comfortable to live within that which you know and you associate with. It's a very natural thing and you can see it in Joburg with the markets that's Around what the culture is, you know, it's like the Oriental Plaza, you know. It's it's the the, we we always used to call it the Indian Market, and I know it's the worst word in the world to use. But you go there, and it's still called that. But there's such magic in that because people bring their cultures to the city. Now, if you're awake. And you actually are not scared because the multi market is very scary because of the different elements you can buy there. Yes, there's animal parts. It's a taboo, but that is also the reality of this city. So, if we want to make a product that's truly local, we have to be honest about what happens in the city we live in. So, if you go to the Muti market, first of all, no one speaks English. And if they can, they won't speak English
0: to you, (laughs) which
1: is a challenge. So, we've got um, Richard that's been working for us for many years. Now, Richard is quite close to retirement age. I'm not telling anybody because he's really good at what he does. But Richard is quite traditional Zulu and he understands this. So, it's quite simple. We go with him. We know by now you take packs of 20 rands because every single bag you buy is 40 bucks and they don't have change. So you're screwed if you only have 50. You're not it getting it. It's pick. 40
0: bucks for the distillers, 20 bucks for the other guys. Yes,
1: but it's fine.
0: <laughs> it's, it's fine. Still, very cheap. it's still cheaper. Okay,
1: and you bring in these baggies. Now, some of the stuff you buy there is the smells are horrific. Some of them is amazing. Um, and they've got medicinal uses because that's where the sangormans mm. go. Nyangas. Yeah, You know, so it's medicine. Yes, people have this belief system around it. It's just another form of homeopathy. That's all it is. Okay? I had a botanical in this distillery that we bought at the market. Written on the bag, induces vomiting. You know, we roll our eyes, whatever. Can I tell you how often i vomited in that dustbin while that botanical was in this office? I eventually threw it out. And I burnt incense to get rid of the smell. It is so strong. It is so potent. Now, if you, if that is the medicine that is required, that stuff works. Yeah. Now, that changed my outlook on, I think, on life forever. Because I'm like, whoa. And then they tell us their number one client that come to them for muti is Afrikaans white ladies. And then I just have a giggle. Because... In other conversations, people say, oh, no, no, I don't believe in that. But that's the funny part. If Mm. you go and you have a conversation with them and you open your mind, it's like magic falls out of the air. So we have included botanicals from the market in all our gyms. Not just in some, it's in all the gyms. To me, it's paying homage to what is part of the reality and the city we live in. So that's also why the black bottle, it's the polarity of what the traditional gin looks like. The symbol on the front of the bottle actually symbolizes the multiple cultures that coexist in one city. That's what it means. So there is a, a lot of thought that went into everything. This was not just simply done to look good on Instagram. That didn't even cross out. This was before Instagram. This was before Instagram (laughs) was the the demon it is now. This was purely done on good design, thought, consideration. Because I didn't make gin just for one specific part of the the society. I made it for everybody to enjoy and sit around a table and talk. Because gin has completely changed the way we drink. That's the, I think, the magic of what the Gen revolution has caused over the last 10 years. It has changed the way we drink. It has changed the way festival goers look, feel. Everything about it has changed.
0: Jacqueline, I've got to I mean, you leave me speechless. I don't understand why this message isn't all over the interwebs, because you... I mean, you're such a good sales lady, and if you're selling this story, just by telling this story, I, want, I, I wonder why the whole of Joburg's not drinking your gin. It's because they haven't heard your story.
1: That, that is probably one part. I think the other thing is, there's very rare feel-good stories that come out of Johannesburg, yeah. even though I think, out of, in this country, some of the best designers are are based in the Halting, Joburg area. And the reason why I say that is, complexity creates creativity. What I mean with that is, if you live in a country where things are easy, you don't have to think. You don't have to come up with creative solutions. Now, Joburg is not that, mm. okay? Traffic is horrendous. I live in Sand, and I'm without water for a day every three weeks. It's been like that since we moved into the house. I literally live in the same road as Herman Mashaba. I'm without water, once, a day, once a, one day every three weeks. Electricity is an interesting exercise. Our roads are horrendous at the moment. We've got a violence on the roads, the traffic is bad. Um, the stress levels of job is very high because our life is very fast-paced. But. People tend to forget. The dark always attracts the light and the light always attracts the dark. That's the system. That makes the engine turns. And in that complexity, and that... Oh, moment. Usually, for some of us, it sparks insane creativity. For me, that is what this, this city is about. Um, with the aggression comes people really standing together. So, I think it's the same with products that come out of the city. I mean, just think of how the three Mirari products. Um, gorgeous design, beautiful bottles, good
0: You're product. talking about Mirari gin. Yeah,
1: Mirari gin, okay. Um, you've got still 33 that came up with a completely new concept of these beautiful vintage planes. Uh, Just think of just the gins coming out of Joburg, okay? They are different to what is coming out of your Cape province Mm. or your Eastern Cape. They've got a very different vibe to them because the city is different. We live on metal. It is abrasive. Um, So I think we just need to kind of keep going and keep going and keep going the thing is also I'm one Mm. I don't have three partners we are not four spreading the words at the same time I'm one I'm also a wife I'm also a mom Um, so getting balance between all of it means that my business will not grow as fast as a business with four dedicated men Mm. that's the reality of it Um, I have insane support at home. Yes, we work six days a week. Um, But I think also we discussed this yesterday, Olga. This year, we are going back. We're making those gorgeous videos we used to make. I'm not a professional bartender, but I'm not teaching bartenders. I'm teaching normal people pouring a gorgeous gin and tonic on a Saturday Mm -hmm. afternoon. Don't understand the word jigger, but they understand the word tot measure, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm actually let's call it dumb it down for the sake of a better word. I mean, it's quite hard to get a better word than that, it's very yeah. much layman's terms. Yes, I have normal ice because I don't do fancy ice balls because I'm just a normal person that run a normal household. I've got that in the fridge. I don't do a fancy pour. Because no one at home does a fancy and It's very intimidating when they see this fancy porn to reproduce it. I make videos for people to just be that home... Let's call it a mixologist. It's to have fun. To be a little bit braver. And that's all we're trying to achieve is, yes, I've got five different gyms at home of which one is probably Gordon's and that's cool. Mm. Um, I'm going to do Schweppes tonic water, and we do a fetch. It depends on what you like. I mean, why have we suddenly got all these rules? If you like sweet, you like sweet, that's your thing. And how do you use bitters? Bitters is quite a weird place for people that They don't quite get what you do with it until they get it. And then they love it.
0: I think we're a long way from getting it. I mean, in the UK, there's more bitters on the, on the shelves than gins.
1: Yes. And
0: I think there's a massive opportunity.
1: Uh, to me, bitters is pure magic but it's a very hard product to make because it takes so long. A batch takes four months plus. It depends on what you're making. Um, it's, I've explained it to people as it's the harpist in a symphony orchestra. You're not always aware that the harpist isn't there until she's not there. Because mm-hmm. you don't find male harpist. I'm sorry, I've never seen one. It's that element that completes it. That's what a is about. And I don't like tonic watered with my gin. My body doesn't react well to it, so I drink gin and soda. So I add bitters to add flavor. Because gin and soda is horrid on its own. I mean, it's, it's not for the faint-hearted. It's bitter. Um, it doesn't have a lot of flavor. Now, I add a dash of lime, fresh lime, a dash of fresh grapefruit to it, a gin, soda water or sparkling water, and then I add bitters. To me, it's super refreshing. Um, it's not high in sugar, so I can maintain my weight. Because gin and tonic, unfortunately, is quite high in in, in calories. It, it It's not ideal for when you're watching um, your weight or when you're trying to lose weight. Um, my,
0: my solution to that is gin and sonic. What's that? Gin and soda and tonic. So you cut your sugar in half. Yeah. By mixing it up. A
1: lot of clients request that. We do mm-hmm. half soda, half tonic water. I think it's a fabulous solution. You can actually lessen and lessen and lessen the tonic water until you can get to the point of gin and soda. My way is not for the faint-hearted. I'm the person that loves a PT whiskey. It's not everybody's cup of tea. That's my flavor profile. That's how I like it. But to me the bitters I shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I actually make my children mocktails. And I add the bitters to that because the, I think there's less alcohol in that than cough syrup. But it teaches my children quite a complex palate in terms of what they drink. So I don't have to add yeaps of sugar because there's so much flavor in those little mouths. Um, I think in terms of children, I, we can see that there's quite a big problem ahead of us the next 10 years mm. in terms of weight control. Um, if we can teach our children not to love sugar and kind of be in that in-between space where they can appreciate something like a bitters
0: so teach me a quick one of quick all one your with my no,
1: With for a, me. with our bitters ok so one of my absolute favourites mm-hmm. is the Jennifer chilli with
0: no no without alcohol
1: with no alcohol mm-hmm. alright I would do
0: because it's dry January
1: yeah it's dry January of course So Um, I've got all your bitters.
0: What what would I start with soda water?
1: I would do half lemonade, half soda, Mm -hmm. um, some fresh apples in there. I'm a very big fan of green apples in a drink. Fresh apples in there, some mint in there, and then I would add some of the orange and vanilla bitters in there. Um, The pomegranate bitters, is fantastic in anything like a little a dash of rose syrup my kids for some reason love the rose syrup so I always have um, a little bit of rose syrup soda water and grapefruit bit oh, the, the pomegranate bitters with that it is delicious if you want to add a little bit of thing I would add some mint to it just for freshness um, it's soft it's pink um, even my son absolutely loves this beautiful, soft pink drink. The um, cinnamon bitters is phenomenal in a spicy ginger ale. Or a cup of coffee. With cinnamon? With the cinnamon okay. bitters. Or if you're a hot chocolate fan, cinnamon bitters in there.
0: It sounds like Austria on the, it on does, the, on the slopes.
1: It does, it, it, and it warms you. now. Another thing I have to tell you, my chocolate bitters is made with an organic chocolate nib that we use.
0: What is a nib?
1: That's the little pieces, the shavings of cacao, of the cocoa bean. I've always called it cacao, it's just kind of one of my quirks. Now, raw dark chocolate is brilliant as an anti-anxiety treatment. Okay. Because what it actually does, it actually opens the heart space and then your anxiety eases. If you suffer with anxiety, five drops of the chocolate bitters in your espresso in the morning, you'll feel like a new person okay. after a few weeks.
0: After a few weeks? Oh, no,
1: no, you'll feel the effect immediately. Mm. But I think it's a continuous thing of allowing the body to actually feel. The bitters is not just for drinking in a cocktail. I cook with it. The chili bitters I use in, in whichever, whatever I cook, I love it in Moroccan. Star anise in a Moroccan or an Indian dish is phenomenal. The chocolate bitters in any meat dish, because it gives it depth. You replace your, what do you call it, a Worcester sauce with the chocolate bitters. Cinnamon to bake with. I add it to my pancake batter, and the cinnamon is part of the batter, and then I just sprinkle a very thin layer of sugar over the top. Intense cinnamon. Anything like a malfa pudding, um, a cake, cinnamon cake, a few drops of the cinnamon bitters in there. So it's very much a culinary approach. Intense flavours. You should see it the same as a vanilla essence. Mm -hmm. That's actually what it is. It's an essence of whatever the product is. Um, So I won't put pomegranate bitters into strong savoury dishes but it could be very interesting what you can do with it. But the pomegranate in just a gin, soda tonic mix is beautiful because pomegranates are only in season for Feb. I know because my mother grows pomegranates, that's where I get my fresh pomegranates from. Um, they, 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 I get these batches at the moment because of all the rain, the pomegranates are bursting. So those can't go to market. So I get all that. Um...
0: Sounds like a big job.
1: It's a massive job. No, bitters is... This, that's why there's not a lot of bitters yeah. on the market in South Africa. It's because it is such job. My one bitters has 22 ingredients in. So we call it orange and vanilla. So but that's not what's in there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but as a layperson, again, I mean, I think you, you, you just phone a flavouring house in... Make bitters. And it's it's sad for me because it's it's so hard to get that story across. Now, you're the second distiller that I speak to that makes the bitters. I mean you you started obviously started before, but when I see and, and we visited a distiller in, in Paul the other day and we saw them make their this dark mass and it's in there for six months. I mean if people don't see that, it, I mean if I buy Angostura bitter off the shelf. I just assume it's made in a factory at a million bottles a second. Um, but even that, you know...
1: Angostura bitters, to me, is like the, the granddaddy of bitters. Mm. I mean, that's like your don. Um, I'm, I'll be a, a proper bitters maker the day I can make a bitters as good as mm. that. The recipe is still highly secretive. There is a few books that I've discovered that actually do discuss it in detail. Mm. But that you cannot rush the process. Mm. There is no shortcuts when you make a bitters like this. Yes, you can get your flavors blended together, but you never have depth of flavor. Mm-hmm. You will never have that black, brown, amber. But will, that, it,
0: will that a normal person normal person be able to taste the difference?
1: I think they would. Yeah,
0: because when I was in Munich the other day at at, at the big beer show, mm-hmm. there was one of the big exhibitions was. One of these flavoring houses, and they had, they had rows and rows and rows of soft drink in a in a white can, and just the flavor written on it, and you could taste all of them and say, "I want you to make this one, give me the recipe." Or, "I want to make this one, give me the recipe," and then they ship off the flavorers.
1: I think the the hardest thing with this industry is to convert to to, to convert clients to the. This this thinking of is real.
0: Yeah, and and I think the problem is that people call that craft, and then other people call the nice bottle craft.
1: Yes, and, a and sticking a, a
0: label on yourself as no, craft.
1: I'm very very careful to use the word flavor mm. in this industry because it does refer to synthetic. Yeah. I think synthetic flavors has a very very important role to play in certain aspects, but. In terms of what we do and how we do it it's a very old-school way of doing it the other problem is you cannot make the stuff with the flavors if you actually don't understand how to do it with the original ingredients if I tell you the amount of flavor houses that has approached me to buy my technique of making my chili bitter, my my chili essence that goes into Mm. the chili gin, I just giggle every time. Because what they would do with that is, you cannot get that same depth with a synthetic capsicum. And they want to use that in ginger ales. Because my chili doesn't actually burn. It's just this gentle kiss, this, this like... It's like a giggle, to a large extent. It's like, (laughs) and then it's gone, but it makes you feel so damn good. In a ginger ale, I think that would be exceptional. Am I going to sell it to one of them? There is no way. I'll probably die with the secret before I sell it out to one of those houses. I never know. I might be in trouble real soon and not be able to pay my duties, and then I'll sell it. But I think you are either a person that does stuff the old-fashioned way, Either you're an instant cake person, or you are a I weigh the flower person, yeah. and that's it. I'm the I weigh the flower and everything person. I don't, I don't buy ready-cut pumpkin. I'm really annoying that way. I don't, cut re- I don't buy ready-cut beans. That is my integrity, yeah. my value system. There is not a single thing wrong with doing it the instant way, but be honest about it. That is, I think, what I
0: would ask.
1: Be honest. Say on the bottle, gin infused... i
0: shop at at Woolies.
1: You see, the funny thing is you can't buy the
0: whole stuff. Oh, can you?
1: (laughs) I do, you know. Um, And I always get my husband to cut the button up to just annoy him a little bit because I don't like the, the packet thing. I've got a thing with plastic. But don't have time to do it the old fashioned way this this is not a criticism from Mm. my side, I think it's brilliant you're still doing your thing, but be honest about it, say this is a juniper infused gin, Okay. juniper flavoured gin say that, okay but because there's no regulation and no one checking it it doesn't happen, so how does my poor end user know the difference between my gin and the next one they don't and that is the honest truth yeah. okay. I can spin any story and put it on my bottle
0: of course and I mean for me that, that brings through your personality a bit and, and I hope that the consumers can understand that and in closing if you can explain to me the story about your mac and cheese
1: my mac and cheese
0: yes. <laughs> because I think if we get that, then we get the honest answer
1: Okay, so <laughs> Your children. I had a pair that worked for me for 3 years she was a trained chef, yeah. not a cook, she was a trained chef, she worked at some of the top restaurants in, in Cape Town mm-hmm. and she worked for me for 3 years and for 3 years my children complained about the cheese sauce she makes with her mac and cheese. And right at the end, she asked me one day, she says, please, can you explain what do you do that your children go ballistic for your mac and cheese? I had such a laugh because I literally showed her I had a phenomenal home economics teacher in matric, and I think she put me on the path where I am today. (laughs) So I made an old-fashioned roux with flour and butter, real butter. I don't use margarine, I never have. I think it's something that shouldn't be consumed. So, butter, flour, I make a roux, then I do milk, gentle process, I boil it, I do salt and pepper. I do parmesan and and, and, and cheddar. And then I add nutmeg. There you go. And no one could figure out what it was that I add. And the the funny thing is, I saw the nutmeg technique when we lived in London. When we moved to London, I I was incredibly lonely. And I suffered with severe depression. So I, I I was hiding from the world. And Ainsley Harriet had a cooking show on BBC... And I watched it religiously. And he used to put nutmeg in his cheese sauce. And I have been doing it for, what is it, 15 years. And my children refuses to eat cheese sauce if there's not nutmeg in it. And I actually grate the nutmeg because nutmeg has to be fresh in my... It's just how I do stuff. So my au just laughed. And she's like, it is just so typically you to do it. It's that little one ingredient that she just, she says, yeah, we all know how to make a cheese sauce. We don't do it the traditional way, but I still do it. I don't take shortcuts. I don't buy a packet of instant cheese sauce. I never have. I think it's vulgar. It's got this plastic taste in your mouth. And then my kids completely believe that my ingredient in all my food, and that's why I taste different, is love. Because I really like what I do and the same with gin it's the same with bitters it's the same with vodka it's the same with moonshine I freaking love what I do I do not have a morning where I get up and think oh I have to go to work okay I don't have it yes when I've had too much to drink the previous evening because I was at a show different story but I never have that moment of because I put the limitations on what I do There's a bunch of really cool stuff coming out this year. I don't have to stop expanding. I don't have to stop being creative. Damn. I mean, this year we're making exclusive bitters for my tincture clients only. So you cannot buy it on the shelf. You have to buy it with a tincture bottle because I want them to feel like it's theirs. I'm sharing a secret with them because I really am with some of them. I will never make it commercially. I can't because I can't get enough of the ingredients it's too much work it's just so much but in essence
0: that's what we do yeah I, I want to you know I think I think the mac and cheese story tells so much about your personality and that's what I wanted to Today, so I think we don't, we can stop here because cool. that tells a story. Yeah. Thank and you very much, Jacqueline. Do we
1: make mac and, do we make gin the way I make mac and. Gins?
0: Exactly. Cool.
1: Thank you, Holger. <laughs> I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for your time. <laughs> <laughs>